Hey friends, welcome to August the 1st, Monday. So you get a new month and a new week on the same day. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me for Enough for Today. We are, I'm starting my week, and we're in Psalm 55. So join me there, open your Bible. I hope you had a good weekend. We, uh, my head is still spinning from the, the wonderful day we had yesterday at Emmanuel. My heart is full. Uh, first of all, we had the kids sitting in church with us, so I love that. We call that Family Sunday and gives our, our kids' church workers a break for a week or two, but um, we, we enjoy family sitting together. Then, um, boy, we had a great attendance, and uh, it was good to see folks that have been out, and they're back, and, and Dana and I are back, and it was just kind of like a reunion. Um, and then the music was phenomenal. I mean, our hearts just soared. And we opened our Bibles to John 6. We studied storms, safe Jesus. Uh, what is Jesus doing in the storms of life? And I want to admonish you, if you are in a storm or have a friend that is, uh, this passage profoundly helped me when I uh, was, was battling cancer. And so it's, over the years, been one of my favorite passages to preach from. I just, it, it transformed me and I prayed that it will help people in, in their storms. How do, we, how do we have rest and joy in the middle of a storm? And we saw some pretty interesting facts about the disciples getting into that boat, going back across the sea, and what happened in that storm uh, when you really put the math together, and it's, it's pretty amazing. So anyway, that's in on our YouTube channel, on, on Facebook, or it will be on Monday Night Rewind tonight. Uh, we have a great week ahead now. August for us is a month to prepare for school. So we are praying, preparing, construction, all of it. I ask you to pray as well. So Psalm 55 is David uh, wrestling with the unfolding of his son's rebellion, um, Absalom. This is late in David's reign, um, and it is an open, uh, basically uh, a, a hostile takeover in Jerusalem, a treacherous, a treasonous um, event. Lots of people are joining Absalom's cause and forsaking David. And they are uh, they're teaming up with Absalom, and Absalom is openly defying his father. It's um, a, a it it is a James Bond like story in in uh, many ways, and in good and bad ones. Um, it's intriguing. It's filled with espionage and double agents, um, and all kinds of of plotting and and politicizing and trickery and treachery. Uh, it's it's uh, diabolical. And David's just dealing with terrible unfolding events that are political and, and in terms of his nation, but they're also personal in terms of his family and his own safety. Um, and so he goes to God. And in verses 1 through 8, really the first paragraph of the psalm, he asks God to sit with him and listen to his complaint. And he just pours out that complaint, describes what he's feeling, how, how his heart is, is pained, how he is fearful and trembling and how he really wishes he could get away and how he's dreaming of the ultimate getaway of just refuge in God one day forever. And then in verse 9 and 10 and 11, he prays for the destruction of his enemies. And we unfolded that on Thursday or Friday, um, coming into verse 11. And then verse 12, the psalm um, builds on the idea of God defeat them and um, and, and the mischief and the, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the flow here. 
9 through um, yeah through 11, he's rehearsing the wickedness as well in the city streets and what's risen up against him, the situation around him, as we would mourn and grieve that in our own country and in our own world. Well, out of that, he begins to contemplate uh, the players and the personal impact. And that's where we see verse 12. We picked that up today. So I want to read maybe down through verse 15, and then we'll unfold that for just a few minutes, and we'll send you into your day and your week. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. So essentially saying, you know, it, I, could have, I could bear to be betrayed by my enemies. That's predictable. That's expected. That's understandable. That's what they are. That's what they do. Enemies betray. So I could have borne um, the reproach of the enemy. Neither was it he that hated me that did uh, magnify himself against me. So that was Absalom. Okay, so this, the son, he's David's son, but he hates his dad. And that's been the state of things for a long time. They haven't had a good relationship. So David has come to um, reckoning with the fact that Absalom is an enemy. He hates his father, okay? He loves Absalom. He's going to weep for Absalom, grieve deeply. Uh, he's going to wish they had a different relationship, but Absalom wouldn't have it. And to be honest with you, David really fostered some of that and, and should have done some things differently as a dad, uh, especially with regards to his own sin and neglect. So he says, I could have... I could have taken it from an enemy. I could have taken it from the guy that hated me. Would have expected that. Um, then I would have uh, hid myself from him. So he says, I can hide from my enemies. I can hide from the guy trying to kill me. Verse 13, but it was thou. So David is speaking to, in prayer, with the Lord, in, po- in song, in poetry. He is uh, speaking now to his friend in this in this writing. Um, we don't know that this is ever going to be seen by his by his friend. But the friend here that he's writing about, the man's name is Ahithophel. And uh, you can read up on this in Second Samuel, or you can um, even just Google a little bit about Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's counselor and trusted friend, a close friend and advisor. You're going to see that in a minute. Um, so in the middle of Absalom's rebellion, Ahithophel uh, turns against David secretly and joins Absalom, begins to advise Absalom. Um, but David doesn't realize that, and um, it, he's betrayed by his good friend. He tells Absalom to usurp his father's authority by doing something uh, exceedingly uh, immoral and wicked uh, publicly. And so things go bad very quickly based on the counsel of Ahithophel. He then tells Absalom to amass a, an army of men and chase after David when David goes to escape. And uh, Absalom doesn't end up taking Ahithophel's advice. Uh, he ends up listening to uh, Abish, uh, uh, Hushai, who was an instrument, an unwitting instrument of God and answered a prayer in confusing Absalom, and which caused him to lose the battle against David and brought along his death. Well, in the middle of that counsel not being received, Ahithophel goes out and hangs himself. So it's a tragic story. 
there's a parallel to Ahithophel in the New Testament. His name is Judas. And in an earlier psalm, uh, which we've already studied, Jesus referenced David's uh, talking about Ahithophel. He referenced that verse in reference to, um, to Judas. So did I say Judah a minute ago? If I did, I'm sorry. My brain's still waking up. So sorry for rambling a little bit. I'm just giving you a little of the backstory that Ahithophel was a dear, trusted friend and advisor to David, and he betrayed him. So have you ever been betrayed by a friend? Have you ever been exploited, taken advantage of, used? And did you ever th- did you ever have a relationship that you thought was was one thing? You thought it was real. You thought you were family. You thought you were close. Uh, you thought this this would never break. And and then you turned around at some point in your life, and that person was lying about you. That person was sort of backstabbing you. Uh, I I taught yesterday about. John's gospel in John 6. I've talked a little bit about how Peter and John were competitive, okay? Um, and they were these were brash fishermen. Um, they, were, they lived in a competitive world, and uh, so they were competitive towards each other. They wanted the upper hand with Jesus, and it really shows up in the gospels, in John's writing especially. He, he says he was the... He, they were ran, run to the, they ran to the tomb, and he says, I outran Peter. I beat him to the tomb. Uh, that's really funny when you think about it. He identifies himself as the disciple Jesus loved, which is, I mean, Jesus loved all the disciples. But John, you know, had this in his mind that I was, I was Jesus' favorite. Um, and uh, then when, when uh, Peter is being uh, confronted by Jesus about his, his, his martyrdom later in life, and that he's going to die for Jesus. He points to John and says, what about that guy? And, and Jesus says, what is it to you that he's none of your business kind of thing? Uh, well, in John 6, the disciples go into the storm in the boat after the feeding of the 5,000. And that miracle is in three gospels. It's in Matthew 14, John 6, and Mark 6, I think. And in both of the other gospels, so in John's gospel, it's they go into a storm, Jesus comes, they welcome him to the boat, um, and and immediately they're at the shore. It's really a kind of a succinct account. In Mark, Matthew and, and Mark's gospel, uh, it's a much bigger deal because the, Jesus is walking on the water and Peter sees, and can I walk on the water? And Jesus says, yes, come out. And so Peter gets out on the water and he walks on the water. He starts to sink. Lord, save me. Jesus saves him. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty involved story. It's one of the most famous stories in all the gospels. And John just left it out. And it's like, you know, he gets to the part where Peter walks on the water. He's like, no, nah, we don't need to talk about that. We're just going to, we're just going to move to the land now. Um, so the, the competitiveness, but I said yesterday in church that, that Peter was, Peter's walk on the water was redacted from John's history uh, by, by John's, uh, by John's competitive nature. I just love how the humanity comes through even in the divinely inspired words of God through the human authors. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. But back to the point of the question, have you ever been betrayed? And if you have, my friend, listen to David's words because God understands, David identifies, and you can take this uh, loss, you can take this grief to God. It was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked unto the house of God in company. So verses 12, 13, and 14, David is grieving uh, the loss 
of what he thought the relationship was. Um, the, the big picture here, friends, at least in this, in this moment, is that God knows, okay? And it's not yours. It, sometimes the relationship is fixable. If so, then work at reconciliation. Sometimes it isn't. And you, you do all you can do, and then you wait. You wait on the Lord. You wait on the Lord to bring about a different circumstance. And sometimes he brings a long redemption, like, like it's years or decades in the making, in which case you should always keep your heart open and soft and ready. You should live in forgiveness. You should live in um, healing and wholeness and go forward in your life, uh, especially as God sets you on that road. Uh, you don't have to manufacture it, but God will help you. And then you should um, wait and hope and trust the Lord and not try to uh, exact vengeance or ret retribution, not try to write the record when it's really not in your power to do so. Just roll forward for the Lord and trust him because he knows the record and he, he is sovereign over the circumstances. So think on these things. Have a great Monday, and we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.